Welcome everyone to the Almost Cancelled TV podcast. I am Peter and joining me as always is Connor. Yes, just about. <laughs> TV news podcast, we get together, we talk about the pilots, the renewals, the cancellations, maybe some trailers, premiere dates, that sort of stuff. Anything else juicy going on in the world of, of TV. Both things we're interested in and stuff that's just amusing from an industry point of view. Were there amusing things this week? I don't know. I did this. Like, I did this news like ten hours ago. I don't remember. <laughs> this oh, is that a, was so long. This is a plethora of of surprises for both of us as we go through and discover the very many things that have happened in the past week in the TV industry. Uh, so yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, the first thing. Usually, I start with reels and cancellations. Uh, changing that a little bit for this episode. How dare uh, you? Well, the Emmys were this week, so I thought starting with the Emmy winners was the oh, okay. was the obvious thing mm. to just kind of like kick off the show with. Uh, I'll try not to spend too much time on this. I'll just sort of run through the the winners. Uh, so I'm just going to order their own Wikipedia, nice and simple. Uh, so outstanding comedy series went to Ted Lasso. Good. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I had a horse in the race there was really uh, what we do in the shadows. I would say, but uh, I can't complain too much. Uh, outstanding drama series was Succession from HBO. Okay, not surprising. I've, I've not watched it yet, but obviously given the mm. buzz. But it did beat uh, Better Call Saul and Squid Game, so I have some some umbrage to, to have with that. Sure. Uh, outstanding limited or anthology series was The White Lotus from HBO. Shocking, because wasn't that nominated for like everything a million times? I don't know. I don't remember what was nominated. I feel like I feel like I remember that one being nominated like multiple <laughs> times in the same categories. If you go back about two months and find that episode where we went through all the nominations, I'm sure we commented on it immensely, but <laughs> yeah. time has moved on. Uh, outstanding competition program, Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls. No comment. <laughs> outstanding variety don't talk show. I don't know what you just said. I feel like you had a stroke. <laughs> Well, see, am, I, am I awake right now? <laughs> well, it's Lizzo's watch out for the big, and then it's made of the word girls, but it's spelled G-R-R-R-L-S. Right, okay. Hence the emphasis on the prolonged R. Okay. So you didn't have a stroke? No. No. Are you sure? No. Like, stop saying you didn't have a stroke or you had a stroke. I want to make a masturbation joke, and I really don't want to like lower the tone. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, that'll lower the tone. Uh, outstanding variety talk series was last week tonight with John Oliver, who I think won it for the seventh year in a row. So he's on a, on a bit of a streak. Yeah, sure. Sure, he doesn't even notice anymore. It's the only one of these that I ever pay attention to. So you know, yeah. it's, it's more relevant, to, I think, to a worldwide audience at least. Uh, and then a standing sketch series is Saturday Night Live, which beat the only other nominee, which was a Black Lady sketch show. There was only two nominees. There was only two nominees. What's the point in having an award then? That's a, that's a very good question. I don't have an answer for you. Uh, I'm sorry, is your kitten? Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to see what, what she's trying to eat. <laughs> Flash destroy. Oh, it's fine. It's just like, you know the plastic you get at the end of like a new plug? Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. It's one of those. I think okay. she'll be okay. But it was very uh, distracting. I'm like, what, what is there down there? Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series was Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. Shocking. Yes, uh, a lot of Ted Lasso on this, I suspect. 
Uh, lead actress in a comedy series went to Jean Smart for Hacks. Outstanding lead actor in a drama series went to Lee Jung Jae for Squid Game, which is actually kind of a an interesting surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I have picked him over Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul. I probably wouldn't have went that far, but I'm actually kind of happy with this as a nice, different, yeah, unexpected choice. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was very good in the show, uh, so... Uh, outstanding lead actress in a drama series went to Zendaya for Euphoria, who I believe was originally the youngest ever actress to win this award, and is now the youngest actress to ever won it twice. <laughs> sure, why not? Which is kind of almost by default, but I suppose she had to win it the second time before that became true, so... Yeah, you, you, there was no guarantee of that. Yeah. Uh, outstanding lead actor in a limited series or anthology was Michael Keaton in Dopesick, which was a Hulu miniseries. Oh yes, I vaguely remember. And then Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited Series was Amanda Seyfried for The Dropout. Uh, also Hulu. Hulu doing well with the Limited Series, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was alright. I only watched the pilot, but it was alright. Uh, supporting Star. cast, uh, just to, I'll just run these out quickly. Uh, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso for comedy. Uh, yep. Shirley Raff for Abbott Elementary for comedy. And then act, supporting actor in drama was Matthew McFadden for Succession. Uh, and then we had supporting actress in drama was Julia Garner for Ozark. Uh, so honestly, her beating Rhea Seahorn for Saul is maybe my biggest uh, upset <laughs> of, the, yeah. of the, the whole thing. No, I mean, not that I watched Ozark, so I can't really comment on her performance, but... Nothing massively surprising in those winners, though, I don't nah, think. Nah, nah. I thought that Succession wasn't as loved as it was in the previous season, so I'm a little surprised that it's... No, you're, you're thinking of Euphoria. Succession was. It was Euphoria that people were kind of down on this year. Oh, okay. Okay. But the stops in there from winning. No, obviously. No. Oh, well, okay. Uh, Style Supporting Actor in Eliminated or Anthology Series was Murray Bartlett for The White Lotus. And The White Lotus also with Jennifer Coolidge for Actress and Unlimited Series supporting. So, yeah. Uh, directing for comedy went to Ted Lasso for No Weddings and a Funeral. I made it very clear I thought that was one of the weakest episodes of the season, but, you know. Uh... That wasn't the, the bad episode, was it? I said one of, not the worst. Oh, okay. No, okay. Because I think it was the other one that you, you were like, that one really shouldn't be nominated. No, this is the one where she sings uh, Rick Astley at the funeral, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was a bit tropey. For, you know, Ted Lasso tends to be good at feeling unique. And I, that episode felt a bit... Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, director for Drama went to Squid Game for its first episode, which is actually kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. That beat uh, an episode of Severance, an episode of Yellow Jacket, an episode of Ozark, and notably, three episodes of Succession. The last succession. <laughs> they really wanted succession to get direction, but Squid Game took it, uh, which delights me. Uh, Meg Lotus got it for a limited series. Uh, so, cool. Uh, writing, comedy went to Abbott Elementary, drama went to succession, uh, limited went to White Lotus, and writing for a variety special it was the Jared Carmichael Rothaniel. What? <laughs> I don't know. There's a reason why we skip over those categories. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's it. That's, 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 that's the gist of it. Uh, the only thing to tell you that after that is that Succession won the... Mm, oh, hang on. That's, that's, not, that's the winners. 
Shows with multiple major wins. White Lotus got five. Ted Lasso got four. Succession got three. And then Abbott Elementary and Squid Game got two each. Um, well, that's the major wins anyway. And then, yeah, shows with multiple wins. White Lotus got ten. Euphoria and Squid Game got six each. Uh, so. That, that suggests to me I wasn't wrong in imagining White Lotus got nominated. Oh, like, no. in everything. Yeah, not at all. I wonder what all these minor categories are that aren't in this list, because uh, Stranger Things got five, apparently. And I'm like, where was this? <laughs> I wonder if it's more like technical stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, unless shows with multiple total wins just means running totals for their entire show up until this point. It's possible. That may be what that means. Yeah. How did Wait Wait Lotus was a limited series though? How's it how's it got two years of Whammy wins then, seemingly? So it can't be that, so it must be smaller yeah. technical awards. I guess so. I guess so. You'll oh, be like hair well. and makeup, stuff like that. Aye aye. Uh, best boy. Best best boy. <laughs> no? No. Oh there you go, that's the Emmy results. Uh I'm sure everyone's thrilled, excited. Disappointed. Disappointed. Mad the Better Call Saul got snubbed in just a bit of every category it was in. Uh, again. Again. And technically it may not be for the last time because that last batch of episodes might count for next year's Emmys. But, but also it will be so far away from when people are thinking about it. There's it no chance. Year that, yeah. yeah. There's no chance it'll actually get anything. Uh, so quick couple of renewals, cancellations. Uh, Isa Ray's Rap Shit has been renewed for season two at HBO Max. So they're not cancelling everything. No. Uh, so that's comedy. And then we have some cancellations. Paper Girls has been cancelled by Amazon after one season. Uh, which... I, I like the pilot well enough. It definitely felt like a cheap show. Which, if anything, just makes me think, well, why did they cancel it? It, it seemed pretty cheap. Uh, it does mention here that uh, the studio behind it, Legendary Television are going to shop it around. Uh, so maybe it'll continue somewhere else. But... Um, Maybe. I don't know. Well, there's there's not that many, you know, or that much of the the comic book. You know, I think ultimately you could probably do the whole thing in like three seasons if you you wanted to. Um, then again, I don't know how far it got by the end of season one, but I'm assuming not that far. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's a bit of a shame, but hey, uh, no. Brian K. Vaughan adaptations on TV are a little yeah. bit cursed at this moment in time, unfortunately. Uh. Who knows who's going to try Saga, but I don't uh, envy their, their challenge. Uh, Flatbush Misdemeanors has been cancelled by Showtime after two seasons. Don't know what that is. I don't think you would. Should but I? It's a praised comedy series. Season two just finished, apparently. Okay. I've literally never heard of it. I'm not surprised. Oh. Yeah. Well, just, you know. It's praise, but I don't know by who. Mm. No one I know. Uh, Maggie has been cancelled by Hulu after one season. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I just got attacked. I was not prepared. Okay, alright. She, she, she hasn't figured out not to use a clause yet. You say uh, that as if you're expecting her to. She will learn. <laughs> it's getting there, it's like 20% of the time she doesn't anymore. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. All right, well, we'll see. 
Uh, and then we got uh, some a premiere date here for Exception, which is a, a Netflix space anime horror series. I, I think I'm in. <laughs> uh, that's coming out on October 13th. Uh, so the synopsis for the show, uh, which comes from uh, Tatsuniko Production and Studio 5, reads... In the far future, humanity has been driven from Earth and forced to move its population to another galaxy. Members of the scouting team are sent to search for a planet suitable for terraforming. The crew was created through a biological 3D printer, but a system malfunction causes one of the crew members, Lewis, to emerge in a deformed state. As Lewis turns on his fellow crew members, Nina, Mac, Patty, and Oscar, a countdown to the end of the mission begins in frightening darkness of the ship. Not a bad premise. That was not a bad premise, you said? Yeah. I could be into it. uh, Biological 3D printers, definitely an interesting thing, thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then some premiere date stuff for for your side of the the world. Uh, Some Star Wars nonsense. Uh, The second season of Disney Plus's uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch is going to premiere on January 4th. Which is disappointing because that's a pretty hefty delay because it was supposed to come out at the end of September originally. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, that's been pushed back. Um, and then the other show here, uh, Tales of the Jedi, has a premiere date. Which is an animated anthology. Oh, so you're not excited about that as much? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. But I, as with most anthologies, some of them will be better than others. Mm. Uh, well, that's coming October 26th, that one. So, uh, Cool. There's your, your Star Wars news. D twenty three was such a weird because I mean obviously it wasn't streamed or anything but like you know the the news was coming out of the the conference that they were having over like three days right yeah but there was like a big like proper like Hall H style panel uh, at the end of it and that had a bit of Lucasfilm you know Harrison Ford was there some of the Star Wars it was mostly movies so we're not talking about a lot of it but um and then there was the Marvel chunk and that's where some of the trailers were about to bring up came from and there was some other bits and pieces that I didn't bother putting in some movie stuff. Um, and then it was like, oh, no, it's the 20th Century Studios thing at the end. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they've got some new things from various, you know, 20th Century Fox owned stuff. Um, it was just Avatar, though. There was nothing else. It was just literally one thing. It was just Avatar. Which I'm still not convinced that that is real, but sure, we'll see. Well, they showed 15 minutes of footage of it, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> There's, uh, there'll be a second trailer soon. I mean, about that. No. Convince you? Not not until it's out in the world and real people have seen it will I believe it exists. I mean, because they announced that uh, they've started shooting four. Yeah, wildly ambitious. <laughs> well, three's already in the can, so you may as well start working on four. I mean, it depends how much money these next ones don't make. Ah, mm. uh, sorry. Warner got scared and moved Shazam too. They'll be fine. Oh yeah, that was such a threat. <laughs> yeah so yeah there was some trailers this week a couple of these ones came from uh, D23 uh, from last weekend uh, not that I think we'll have a ton to say on them but it'd be weird not to mention the Secret, Secret Invasion trailer uh, which is the you know based on the event Secret Invasion where scrolls are invading the earth and you know impersonating various characters in the world uh, the trailer you know to be fair to it it plays it like a mystery thriller uh, you know Samuel Jackson has been all cagey and you know, is he trying to save Earth? Is he actually already one of the villains that's been shapeshifted? You know, they're sort of playing with that. Um, you see a few of the faces that you recognize from some of the movies that are going to be in there. Um, plus Olivia Coleman, 
uh, who I, I did not remember was casting this, but... I, I didn't either, and then she just popped up, and I was like, huh, good for her. Yeah, so uh, she's getting a paycheck. Very nice. Um, you know, it, it looked... I'll be interested to see how that actually functions when it's, like, as episodes, because the tone of this trailer was definitely very different to a lot of the other D plus Disney Plus shows. I'm, gonna tell you, I, I, I'm sorry, you think it's going to function as episodes? Or just... <sighs> Not just, oh, we're, we're going to end it here this to be, week. To be fair, after the first couple of Rocky episodes, She-Hulk has settled into a 25-minute a comedy format. It actually has adjusted. Which is fair enough, but also I think inherently it is leaning into that sitcom angle more, so it's probably oh, sure. the easiest to kind of feel like episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the first two didn't really feel like a sitcom episode, so it felt really weird for them to be so short. Uh, but... The last few have all kind of felt like an episode of a sitcom uh, to some extent. Mm. So, uh, you know, some dodgy CG <laughs> site. But, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I would hope they treat this like a sort of prestige, like, you know, hour-long episodes. If it's only five or six, that's fine. But, you know, make them each feel like a, a proper chapter in it. And I'm not convinced they're going to, but no. uh, we'll see. So, but my skepticism mostly comes just from their... Like their their trends and their releases on Disney Plus itself, rather than this trailer itself. But it's just the track record in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then they also get a trailer for a weird special they're doing called Werewolf by Night, which is going on Disney Plus. It's just a one. I, I have no idea if it's like a like a short movie, if it's like a, an episode TV special that's on its own. And you didn't even Google it. Well, no, I mean because it's it's, it's kind of because they're just calling it a special. They're calling it um Halloween special. Yeah, but, I mean, could have Googled it. I mean, it's a one-off thing. That's the guarantee. I just don't know, like, how long it's, it's going to be. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it's a 60-minute thing. Six. That sounds like a, a placeholder estimate someone's just put in as a guess. It does. This, this thing could be 23 minutes long for all we know. Yeah. Uh, That's true. I don't really know what the Marvel property is it's based on. I mean, I assume it's Werewolf by Night, but, like, I mean, I don't know it. Like, I've never encountered it before. They're going for kind of a cheesy old black and white movie kind of vibe uh, with sort of intentionally cheesy acting, and uh, there's, a, there's a werewolf. Uh, that's, that's basically all I've got to say about it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it looks different. I'll give it that. I appreciate that it doesn't really feel like it's got anything to do with, I mean, with the MCU or anything. It's just, oh, there's a fun little concept in the Marvel comics we can make here's, a special out of. a random thing, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know if I expect it to be good necessarily, but, you know, that's, that's whatever. Uh, Apparently, it's uh, directed by uh, Giacchino, as in the composer. Oh, I, Joe, I saw his name at, at the corner of my eye, but I just assumed it said he was composing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, he directed it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, first time directing something. Maybe worth watching for that alone, just to see uh, how he is as a director. Yeah, that could be interesting. Uh, that said, because it's such a, like, an intentionally cheesy, like, pulpy piece, it maybe it's hard to judge, like, how you would handle, like, serious drama versus... There is, but there's still a talent in pulling off what you're aiming for. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, there was also a short trailer, a teaser trailer for Percy Jackson and the Olympians, 
which I was I would have happily skipped over. But Connor actually cares about this property and watched I do the trailer on, this on his yeah, own. I, this this is the only trailer in a while I've actively gone out of my way to watch, and there's not that much in it. It's a you know a little bit of narration, which is lifted pretty much word for word from the opening of the first book, uh, which is kind of. I guess the point of that was to say, hey, look, we're going to actually be more faithful this time as an adaptation, mm. as opposed to, you know, anything it actually means, you know, uh, for a trailer. Just, uh, it was more just a kind of a statement. Hey, he's just walking through the forest. There's some people with costumes on at yeah. a certain point. And then you see his face at the end and there's a flash of lightning. Because isn't he the lightning thief or something? That is the name of the first book, yes. Okay. I only remember that because uh, the trailer for the movie played a hundred times before it came out every time I went to the cinema. And it, it, it was not a good movie. Uh, I never saw it. It, it, it looked like, uh, mm -hmm. you know. It, it was um, it, it was, was bad. It, it, well, I mean, let's be honest. It, like, it existed because they wanted to cash in on Harry Potter being successful. That's why the movies existed. Pretty much. Um it's not a judgment on the books. I'm, I'm just saying the reason why those movies were funded was because, like, hey, this can be our next Harry Potter. Hundred percent, and they did, yeah, they did a bad job with it. Uh, but I know uh, that they're like halfway through production on this season now, so mm. probably expect. I'm going to guess around summer next year. Oh, is that why it's just a quick little teaser with not much in it because they're still shooting? Yeah, mm. um, and they talked about the the you know. The rough plan is a, a book per season. Okay. Um, and there's like five books plus like some sequel series as well that if the, if it, you know if they want to they can adapt as well. Yeah, I guess you'd hope for just the, the five books then at least to tell that full story. Yeah, yeah, like that that would be a a pretty complete thing in its own right. All right. Uh, more interesting trailer though was um, a monster. Uh, which is the the Dammer series that uh, Ryan Murphy's doing at Netflix? Which, to be honest, Ryan Murphy's name been attached to it is the part of it that's the least appealing thing because I'm not sure like he can handle a tone like this that I, I think it's going for. It's starting to feel kind of meaningless to see his name attached to something. Yeah, because... that's that's fair, and not necessarily in like a particularly bad way against him, but just I no longer associate him with any particular style or like okay if you know if if you tell me that yeah you know that there's there's a new show from i don't know picks pick anyone i i can go okay i i have a vision of what to roughly expect in some vague kind of stylistic ways whereas with with ryan murphy i don't anymore i mean i've seen a f you know a few of his pilots by now and I would say that there is something that's shared between them all is that they're all they all have kind of like a a hollow pop 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 pulp kind of feel to them in some way. Um, obviously that worked for Scream Queens, and I like that show a lot because it kind of it suited the, the, the comedy it was going for. But then there was other things like the Nurse Ratched, uh, like first episode, or uh, there was another one I did from Netflix ages ago. I can't remember the name of it. Is the do we do the politics one? Like the the running for it might have been like a student presence. Yeah, he was definitely like a university student or something. Yeah, 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 something along those lines. Yeah, and there's the similar. And I watched the first episode of American Horror Story way back, and you know, like there's definitely some. And that, this is why, like, because I look at this trailer 
and it's not necessarily perfect, but there's definitely moments in this where, okay, I can see them try to do a bit of a maintainer, you know, kind of tension, and you've got, you know, Dahmer bringing this guy back to his place, and this this sort of framing device for the trailer, which is him talking to his neighbor who's complaining about all the weird noises that comes from his house, and he's, like, trying to insist that she eats the sandwich that he's made for her, which you would assume has got human meat in it, and, you know, he gets kind of stern, and by the end of the trailer, he's like, eat it! And it's like, okay... Um, I do think the performance here from Quicksilver is, you know, like, I'm not sure. Like, again, it's one of those things where when I see all the scenes in the context, perhaps, of the episode, they may play better. It feels a little bit hammy at a certain point here, but I don't know if that's just because this is a Ryan Murphy show and everything he's made to me is a little bit hammy at the very least. Yeah, or is it just the way this trailer's cut? It, it very well possibly could be. Because uh, I do think... You know, like a, like a a serious like thriller version of of this story probably could be interesting, but I'm not so sure that Ryan Murphy's the guy who's going to bring that to you. No, uh, like you, you mentioned, Mindhunter there because obviously it's the closest comparison. Mm-hmm. This does feel like Netflix wanted more Mindhunter, but from someone who would just deliver it on time under budget. You know. Because I think that's why Ryan Murphy gets a lot of work. I think he's very is a is a workhorse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think he 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 does deliver on what is promised. Unlike, well, you know, Fincher is a, a lot of work, right? I think by the sounds of it, a lot of work uh, delivers a better product in the end. But yeah, oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I I can see like from like Netflix's side of things why they're like. We kind of just want something that we can put on, you know, on the screens that that people will watch because that, that's kind of how we work as a business. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit sad to me that because like typically the workhorses aren't necessarily the ones that I'm ever going to be excited or want to watch. You know, like that's the that's yeah. the, the the churned entertainment that's just kind of exists for to be more content, and that's not to necessarily shit on this or shit on any of Ryan Murphy's particular work. I mean, I'm not necessarily in love with most of the stuff. I like Stream Queens a lot, but everything else I've tried from I've not liked. But That's just because you never tried Glee. <laughs> I actually didn't realise he did Glee. Was that, I'm pretty sure he was Glee. Was that his first big I'm hit? like I'm like ninety percent sure that he was Glee. I know that show's got a lot of uh, uh dark corners now because a lot of the cast turned out to be dodgy. <laughs> yeah 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 Glee was his. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I think that was before American Horror Story. It feels like it was earlier. It was Glee started two thousand nine. American Horror Story was two thousand eleven. Okay. Well, so, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, but I mean, Monster the Jeffrey Dahmer story looks like it could be all right. This limited series, I, I just don't think that uh, I expect it from Ryan Murphy. And there's little moments of the overacting towards the end of the trail that kind of like justified it's, those fears there is but it's the sort of thing where like if it is like a really subdued performance most of the time and then this is the intense weirdo kind of scene mm. like that could be okay but in, in context of this trailer where all you've got is the intense weirdo like it, it does feel hammy but it might it might not in context with the rest of the performance but I, I am inclined to assume it kind of just is a bit over the top yeah there you go. That's uh, uh the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Um, so cool. All right. 
let us move on to some other tidbits and various things. Uh, fun little thing that came out of D23 uh, this week is that Kehu Kwan has joined the cast of Loki Season 2. Not that I really care about Loki Season 2, but uh, he was great in Everything Everywhere All at Once, and it's kind of nice to see him getting a bit of a resurgence. I'm, re- I'm really glad you told me what was wrong, because like, I don't recognise the name of yeah. this one. Uh, going well. I mean, what he's known for originally is a short round in Indiana Jones and Data and the Goonies. But you know, then he kind of oh sure yeah. You know, he, he kind of went away from acting, and um, it's wild watching him and everything everywhere because you know it's just like thirty years since he was like in a proper role, and so obviously he looks vastly different because he was a child mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other things I've seen him in, and yet as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, it's him. <laughs> like, oh really? I can hear it. I can hear it. His voice is him. That's weird. <laughs> uh, but he's very good at it, so I- I'm glad he's uh, getting some more work and doing some interesting stuff. Uh, so that is that over at Loki. Uh, and then we have... Did we have another bit of Disney? No, not, yeah, we had another bit of Disney news from D23. Uh, Christian Slater's been revealed as part of the cast of the Willow revival show. Yeah, cool. Uh, Christian Slater. Yeah. I'll be honest, see, when I saw everyone talking about it on Twitter, right, but until I got the news story today, I assumed he was in the movie Willow, and this was him returning, and that's why it was a big deal. And then when I saw the story today, I was like, oh no, this is just like a new thing, no one knows who he's playing yet. But people are just excited because they like Christian Slayer, I assume. Well, he's Mr. Robot, so you know. He has many things. It's fine for me. Um, he's Slater and Archer. Very good. Then he's we... a CIA agent, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have uh, more casting for... So there was a, a couple of these this week, a couple last week. I've sort of got them all bundled here together just to sort of give you this, because it's a fairly notable cast. So there's a limited series from Steven Soderbergh called Full Circle in the works of HBO Max. Uh, and so far, they've cast Dennis Quaid, Zazie Beetz, Claire Danes, and Timothy Oliphant. None of whom are, like, A-list names, but they're all names you know. Collectively, it's, like, a solid cast. Yeah. So... I felt it was worth mentioning once that they'd all kind of like, okay, this is the... So it's a six-episode show, uh, Soderbergh's directing, uh, in full circle, an investigation into a botched kidnapping and covers long-held secrets connecting multiple characters and cultures in present-day New York City. I vaguely remember this coming up when it was first uh, sort of yeah. in development, but... Correct from wrong, you're not a big Soderbergh fan. Not typically. I kind of liked uh, Unsane. I thought it was an interesting experimental mm. movie. Uh, most of his other stuff though uh at least the ones i've seen have not been too hot on yeah i mean i i, I like most of stuff more than you do but i don't like love it mm. so there you go but yeah, maybe tv's a good place for his his work i don't know maybe uh yeah um so that is cool and then we have a. Uh, th- th- this was an interesting article that came out on from Collider last Friday. So we recorded the news last week on Thursday. So uh, this was after we'd done this, the show. Oh, yeah, I think the first batch of all this D twenty three stuff was on the Friday as well. Yeah, yeah, probably was. So this is interesting because it's something that is a direct sort of response. Not that they're making it to us, but <laughs> it's a direct response to something that we have been talking about and asking for <laughs> for quite some time. And it is according to Collider, Netflix are considering doing weekly releases for their TV shows. They're finally, maybe, willing to give up this fight. <laughs> yeah, they're doing it for the the cynical reasons, which is the same reason Amazon started doing it. Um, Disney Plus 
Maybe. I think that was more about Zeitgeist controlling the conversation. Well, here's the beautiful thing about it. It's okay if the reason's the cynical reason. Like, yeah. if the reason is they want people to stay subbed. Like, honestly, simple logic says that that's the smart thing to do. Have people sub mm -hmm. for three months to watch all the season. Like, as it's coming out. Yeah, th there's always going to be people who are just like, ah, I'll just wait till it's all out and then binge watch it. That's, yeah. that's always going to be a thing. But if a third of your audience pay for those extra two months because they want to have it as soon as it it has because they like being in the conversation because they want to talk about it then that's a net positive yeah you know uh if you have a few shows running at the same time it might be more convincing to someone to sign up and just have it because oh there's three shows on on a weekly basis right now that i like so i might as well just keep so yeah you know, all these reasons that, that come I, honestly i think there's been a few little experimental things here or there honestly part of this obviously yeah we're talking about the staying subscribed for the whole season coming out but I do honestly wonder if the way that Stranger Things Season 4 stayed in the zeitgeist for those last two episodes because everyone was excited about them. You know, everyone who watched the show was talking about it, excited about, okay, how's it going to end? You know, ending this big cliffhanger. There's these two episodes left. Even just having that one little pair of episodes split off from the rest of the season created this sense of community amongst the people watching the show for that month or so between them. You can have that every week, you idiots. <laughs> I know, and, and like I said, they've been they've been dabbling, and I think they're starting to understand. Like they did, uh, the Arcane, the League of Legends show. Mm. They kind of split that over three weeks. The um, the Fear Street movies. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, they kind of made this like you know a little show out of it. Like, like which, which know, is hey. which is what's funny is that yeah they did that before they'd really done it with TV shows. I think and. That trilogy of movies had more of a TV show conversation continuously about it because it was spread over three weeks. Yeah. It's, it's crazy I, that they've taken this long. I stand by, it goes back to, like, in, in the recent conversation, I think it goes back to when Disney Plus launched and you, know, you had The Mandalorian and all anyone talked about for months was Baby Yoda, right? Hmm, yeah. Um, I think that's when, like, other services started looking at that and going, shit. That that's easy, like because beyond just having the extra month's revenue, which obviously they all want, but you know that that's short term, long term, that you know becomes a cultural phenomenon, and and you, you don't get that otherwise. Yeah, uh, one of the things suggesting this article that is it's becoming more of a problem for them is that their binge format worked when there was no competition. Now that there's several streaming services and they're all doing weekly, all of a sudden everyone has reasons to stay on the other services con continuously, <laughs> but not Netflix. So it's the one that gets cut by and large. Uh, it's an interesting point I hadn't thought of. Um, honestly, I said this on Twitter when I saw this article pop up that the binge experiment for me is a failure, and that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I know some people were upset when they did, they saw this article. They were complaining. I saw some people say, oh, you're taking away our choice. You could still choose to wait to the end and watch it all. It's actually tougher the other way around. It's, it's, it's much harder for someone who wants to watch it spread out. And when you say this to someone who prefers it being delivered in a binge format, they say, well, why don't you just spread them out yourself? So, well, yeah, that's all fine and well, but no one else is doing that, so I don't get the conversation. No one's like, on the same part as I am. Uh, you can flip around, like, why don't you just binge it yourself? Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. I've done this in the past. People have been doing this with TV shows 
long before Netflix existed, you bought the DVD box set or whatever, and you binged the goddamn thing because yeah, I, yeah pretty much since like the early to mid two thousands when like yeah. the, the DVD box sets kind of became a a thing. It's it's just nuts to me. And then you know, even when you say that argument, I saw someone argue, "Well, why don't you just arrange with some friends to uh, all watch at the same like look." It shouldn't be 4D chess <laughs> to create an experience that happens by default if it's just released in the format that TV was always designed to be released in. Yeah. Also, <laughs> pretty sure that's only teenagers using that argument because any adult who has tried to arrange, oh, you know, yeah. arrange something with friends on a consistent basis, yeah, good luck. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um you know, and that's the, this is even before we get to the whole thing where people know spoilers for the ending the day it comes out, so you have to avoid that as well if you care about spreading it out. You know, there's all, all these other little things, but this is this is nothing but a win-win for everyone. If you like binging things, you can still wait to the end and binge it to your heart's content. Um, and if you need to stay up to date because you're worried about like being out of the conversation. Now you're kind of admitting why it works better in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty flawed argument. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if you want to binge it, wait to the end. But weekly, I and I don't think this is like you you called it cynical, and we're calling it cynical because it's the more businessy reason to do it. I'll actually stick up for us and say it's not cynical. It's just the thing that it's it's the fair business decision that makes sense. Is yeah. a show takes place over eight to twelve weeks, whatever it may be. And you're subscribed for those that time period, or you can just jump in at the end and watch it all when it's there. Whatever. Yeah, if people choose that second option, they're not losing out on anything because it's the same as what they've got already. Yeah, um, and that's a that's a fair part of the business. But it's it's kind of like um, you know, buying singles as a comic versus buying the trade after it's all collected. You're getting it cheaper if you buy it, wait for the trade, but you're not there for the conversation as the singles are coming out. It's a similar idea. You're 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 paying for those extra months for the premium of being there at the launch of every single episode. That's the the idea of it. Uh, but yeah, but honestly, like the, the the experience, like I remember episodes better when they're not binge watched. When I binge watch something, like I forget so much more of it because it just you know I, I went through it so quick. Together, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the anticipation for the episodes, the excitement and the zeitgeist, all these things are all reasons why. Yeah, I very, very rarely binge watch anything anymore. I, and when I, because even stuff that I'm, te- I, I would say I binge watched uh, for All Mankind season one. But when I say I binge watched that, what I really mean is I watched like three episodes a week. You know, it was still spread out, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, it's just it's so it's so it like uh Netflix launched the new uh cyberpunk anime mm. this week on I think it was on Wednesday they launched it Thursday I went to work and and I was like oh, you watched it yeah I was like oh, yeah I watched the first episode last night yeah you know, pretty good he goes oh yeah I watched nine it's like it, it came out yesterday he's like yeah I've only got one left I'm like okay cool I'll I'll, I'll talk to you about it in about a month. And of course, by that point, get through it. by that point, he'll have forgotten half of it. Yeah, uh, the conversation won't be as good. Yeah, it's 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 the, it's the thing. Well, this is funny because when you look at our own history on the channel, part of like what we tried to do for a long time was review Netflix shows episode to episode to try and recreate the feeling of going episode to episode and having conversations about each one. Um, and it worked for a little bit. It got harder as more streaming services started to release more shows. So maybe I should have seen that 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 <laughs> argument coming. Um, yep. but 
you know, it got really tough to actually keep up with it because you kind of lose the steam after a little bit. Because particularly if releasing content on YouTube, um, I've not even brought the content creators and the reviewers argument into it, but that is a consideration where covering a whole season of a show that launches on one day is an absolute nightmare. And inherently, unless it's something that feels really important to cover, more and more we made the choice not to do it because quite frankly, the things we were covering on a weekly basis were just more important. Uh, and by the time you get to the last few episodes of the season, with very few no exceptions, cares. yeah, no one cares. The, the view counts like dwindle and go down. But I think the reason why I'm saying this is I think that kind of represents kind of just the zeitgeist in general of those binge shows. Whereas alternatively, like shows on right now, House of the Dragon, the you know the Lord of the Rings show, uh, you know every week, you know you know they're they're like four or five episodes in respectively. People are talking about them consistently every week. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like obviously we're not we're not covering those shows, but if we were, we wouldn't be having the same problem as we did like you know five episodes into a Netflix show, you know ten days after it launched. For sure. I, you know, I, I think not a lot of Netflix shows have really penetrated pop culture uh, when you actually look at the amount of them. Obviously, Stranger Things did. That that kind of broke through uh, from its first season. And a few other things have. I mean, House of Cards was big. It's kind of a bit more muting now because Kevin Spacey's yeah, antics. Yeah, but, but again, that was partially because it was... The first. The first, yeah. It was like their mm-hmm. first big thing. They didn't have any real competition at the time. But, you know, when I, th- I think of like... You know, like part of the reason why I went back and watched Yellow Jackets is because when that was airing, there was this conversation about it that was that was happening as it was going on. You know, yeah. Even if you're you're sometimes out of the loop, you just see the the consistent buzz. Yeah. And you're like, like something that that's on my radar just because of that is uh, Succession. Like especially mm-hmm. during you know that last season, every week people are like, oh my god, the new episode. You know, and I've I've probably seen spoilers for it, but without any context, so it kind of was meaningless. Yeah. But just seeing you know everyone getting you know really excited and, and talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I, I should probably check this out at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was actually spoilers for The Sopranos and a She-Hulk episode. Luckily, though, fairly out of context, and you know I'll, I'll happily forget them. Right. As long as long as I don't I don't watch the episode again and start remembering the names that are being said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, it's uh. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, it's it's been long enough that it's probably fair game for to make references in in other in other media. Yeah, but this was a plot about someone spoiling it, so they specifically mentioned an episode where someone does something. Oh, like, okay. It's like it's ultra specific. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's funny because Wong gets really pissed off, and he's like, "I'm going to make him pay." Like you know, so it's like, it is like a plot point, but it you know, yeah. Uh, I haven't watched that yet, so I, I wish they picked the short scene. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, and you really, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, yes. Uh, I welcome the weekly releases, I think. And also, actually, another part of this that is very worth mentioning, I don't know if we talked about this on the show. I saw this maybe earlier in the week before this came out, last week, or maybe the week before that. Netflix, when they're deciding whether or not they're going to renew something, they make that decision based on how many people have finished the entire season and something silly like the first 72 hours. It's something stupid like that. Yeah, I think it kind of came up again recently 
uh, with the Sandman. Yeah, because Neil Gaiman was basically saying, finish it by Friday. Finish it by Friday to, for, to have a chance. That, that was basically yeah. what he was implying. And a few other sources kind of confirmed that this is kinda what, how they look at metrics. And I'm like, that is insane. It means they're actually punishing shows if they're not binge-watched because people want to spread them out. Yeah, yeah, we have never contributed in a long time. I've never contributed towards a Netflix show being renewed. No, not at all. Uh, which is ridiculous. So maybe the shows themselves will actually get a chance to survive if they get the chance to, I don't know, build an audience over mm-hmm. a season because TV can do that. I mean, look at something like Breaking Bad. One of the oh, yeah, yeah. biggest, most popular shows of all time. Barely had an audience, relatively speaking, yeah, compared yeah. to its popularity until probably season four. Yeah, season five is the most watched season because it, it be- and here's the beautiful thing: it's part of the reason why that show was able to ca- catch up in success like that was because the older seasons were on Netflix. The beauty of your Netflix show being on Netflix is that if someone does decide to jump in halfway through the season, those first five episodes or whatever it is are already there. <laughs> and again, this is something very specific. We have had data on since the early 2000s with DVD box sets contributing mm-hmm. to exactly this. that That's why Netflix was able to get started as a model, because they'd seen the data of this is works. So that's, that's why they started as a DVD rental service. And then the, uh, the even just bef- be- not looking at the catching up aspect of this, do you know how many TV shows that are some of the biggest shows of all time started off as failures and built an audience? Seinfeld had shit ratings in its first couple seasons. Cheers had shit ratings in its first season. Mm-hmm. And then they became some of the most watched shows on the planet because they built an audience over time. And Netflix is basically like, if you don't get your audience in the first like three days to five days, that's it. You're dead. You're not good enough for us. Yeah, it's such a weird business. Um, so that that, that yeah, that's, that just feels like they're, they're they're sending their own content out to die because nothing can capture people like that they had a couple of lucky things you know it's a, and i think it is a miracle in some ways that they didn't have competition and i think that's why something like stranger things in the first place was able to capture an audience like it did in 2016 yeah i'm trying to think what their most recent or 2015 like, whatever year it was i think their most recent like bigger hit and and you might not feel it as much because it's not something we watch it's not something that appeals to us but Bridgerton, I think, is probably the next <laughs> biggest thing they've had that. recently. But, but I'm not wrong. No, yeah, you're probably right. That probably is. And it's captured a specific audience. It's not our audience, but, you know, that's fine. It, it's a big, pretty popular you know, audience. You know, I found out Cindy, our loyal viewer, patron, and yes. supporter, uh, who made me watch Bridgerton and review it. You can go check out my 20-minute tirade, or 15-minute tirade, whatever long that was. Um, she never even watched the first episode! <laughs> she, she revealed. She revealed this like past week or two that she, she didn't even watch it. Just wanted to punish you because she knew you'd hate it. I assumed that when she asked me to do it, she'd watched it and she wanted to. She thought it'd be funny to see my opinion on it. She didn't even watch it. Did, did the first episode have the Taylor Swift song in it? I, I know. I, I know they use it at some point in that first season. I I, I wouldn't know. Recognized it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, someone in the comments can tell me. I'm sure. there, there, there was some some source music in it, but I, I mean, I could tell you who any of them were. It's uh, it's very helpful. <laughs> Much appreciate. Look, modern popular music is not my uh, my forte. Okay, <laughs> not my forte. Yeah. Neither is Bridgem, but you still watch that. <laughs> I was paid to watch that. <laughs> 
Mm. Okay. Mm. So yeah, Netflix, just just throw the towel in and do it properly. It'll actually benefit your shows. It'll benefit benefit your business model. There's like no downside to this other than a portion of the audience who don't like the idea of not getting their binge shows. But you know no, what? No. There will be a vocal backlash, like we saw with Amazon mm-hmm. when they sh- when the boys shifted to being weekly, and they got review bombed. They'll get used to it though, very quickly. Yeah, you know. Um, honestly, one of my favorite. I mean, we talked about it in the news when it happened, but when Eric Kripke gave that interview talking about how he makes an actual TV show and not just some crappy streamed show that's like hanging around for uh. eight episodes until something happens, I was like, "You're speaking to my soul," because so many Netflix shows feel like that. And John, that's it's. Honestly, it's a trend in modern kind of prestige TV, I would say. Mm. Um, going back a few years now, because I remember Game of Thrones, I gave up on it at one point, probably season... Yeah, I think it was season four I gave up, because I was, I was bored of it, because I just, I just thought it was, it was losing steam, it wasn't, it wasn't so hot. And everyone, it was like, after, the, after season five, everyone was like, you got to catch up, you got to catch up. I'm like, eh, maybe they're like... They're like Everyone would tell me, oh, "Hard Home." It's it's the best episode of the show. You've got you've got to catch up so you can talk about it. And eventually, I kind of went back, and I think I went back after they announced they were going to go past the books, and, and the book was nowhere near in sight, just just like now. Um, so I thought, all right, fine, I guess I'll go catch up. And Hard Home, I think, was episode eight or nine of the season. And I got to it. I'm like, Do you know what? Yeah, that was a pretty good episode six like seven eight episodes of mediocrity before it though it wasn't worth it it wasn't like i i, sh- I needed to catch up to get to that episode to, to sit through the seven hours of you know mostly boredom before it there's also like a i started calling the netflix pacing uh where just a lot of the shows had the same kind of like you can kind of tell they're holding back and just like not enough is really progressing in the episodes they, they tend to have like a really like busy first episode or two and then it slows right down until mm. like right near the end yeah uh so it became such a common thing i was noticing in the shows when i was reviewing a lot of the pilots and like or, or, not the pilots but when i was trying to like say, oh maybe i'll continue this show and there were so many shows that i gave up in, in episode two or three <laughs> because it was like oh no this is just slow and, and dull and like so many of these shows are they're just they, they lack any kind of spark or, or bite uh, and it's a shame it's a shame to feel that way um so yes and you know what no one should feel pressure to binge watch something the weekend that comes out because they want to not have spoilers so the death of that is something i will gladly yes and, and you know following on from Kripke, maybe it'll force them to actually write shows that you, you want to come back the following week for as opposed to ah oh, well i guess it's there i'll leave it to all oh yeah, oh yeah i'll say this right now if your tv show can't function weekly then that's on you for not making a good show where each episode is a satisfying chapter that has a hook that makes you want to come back. And I don't necessarily mean a cliffhanger. A hook doesn't necessarily mean a cliffhanger. It just means a hook in that you care about what's going on and you want mm-hmm. to see the next chapter. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, there's this sort of expectation that a lot will play the next episode so we don't have to even bother trying. Well, no. Like, I'm at a point now where I will stop. Like, I will, like, not waste my time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I turned autoplay off on Netflix years ago. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I, I was looking forward to talking about that because uh, <laughs> vindication. Because we have we have strong opinions yes. on this. Uh, cue, yeah. cue the whole gif of vindication. You know th- th- that moment. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Uh, all right, the dramas then. 
I don't need dramas. This is where we probably need to have like the Star Wars style text scrolls explaining the drinking rules for uh the descriptions. Oh yeah, that's a graphic. <laughs> uh, somewhere in the twenty first century, there was a challenge laid out. Yeah. <laughs> One ginger with <laughs> that's a t shirt waiting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, first up, obviously that is the biggest uh, new show confirmation of the week: Blade Runner twenty ninety nine. How did I not see this? Yeah, no, I didn't see this until I saw this today either. Uh, this is Amazon. Uh, there's a live-action show set in the Blade Runner universe. Uh, the title obviously makes it obvious, but just the only thing it really says about the premise is that it's set 50 years after 49, obviously. so That, that, that would make sense. But yeah. Cool. Ridley Scott is producing, uh, just like he did with 2049. You know, he produced that as well, mm-hmm. but didn't direct it. Um, So, yeah, it's a follow-up, and it's been greenlit. So... You know, it's been picked up the series. Uh, not a lot of other information on it, but I mean, you you can kind of wonder into your eyes. And I do appreciate, even though I'm not the biggest Blade Runner fan, nor are you, for that matter. No. Um, I appreciate that they're just going 50 years in the future, so that any connections to the past movies will be, you know, small at best. You know, it'll be someone's grandfather was in it or something. You know. Yeah, it shouldn't be inherently too specifically tied to either movie. Mm. Um. I I have problems with Blade Runner as a movie. The the setting of the world is not one of them. Oh no, of course no. That's the so best thing about it. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Take that set in that world and tell some new stories in it. Like I I, I enjoyed Forty Nine significantly more than the original. Uh, not to say it's a perfect movie by any means, mm-hmm. but I definitely felt like it did more with the world that appealed to me uh, than the original. Um, uh, maybe this TV show can top that still. Yeah. Uh, be like Altered Carbon, but good. <laughs> That's the hope. Um, and to be honest, like, Amazon makes some mediocre stuff too, but I feel like Amazon's track record with me has been a little better in recent years. So, And I will say, <laughs> the Rings of Power has probably been classified as a success, mm-hmm. which means... I'm not going to say this is going to be as expensive as that show because I don't think Amazon will ever throw that much money at something again. But they'll probably still give it a reasonable budget. Yeah. I mean, inflation means they will throw that much money again. Just think about it. I mean, on an objective sense, yes, sure. But relatively speaking. Yeah. So uh, Salka Luisa, uh, who worked on Shining Girls, has written the script for this series and will be executive producing along with... uh, uh, Mr. Scott. So, uh, honestly, like, Blade Runner is this weird thing where, like, I want to love that movie. And there's so many, like, technical things, the visuals and the audio that I love, but the story is just so goddamn dull. Uh, it's, it's a crying shame. And, like, that speech at the end from Rutger Hauer is fantastic. I, I want the movie that goes with that speech. <laughs> I want the movie that fits with that speech, and I don't think that movie does. Um, and, you know, I think 79, or sorry, 49 was better. Um, I still had some problems with it, though. Even though I do think overall it was a better constructed movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping this is another step in the right direction for me. Obviously, not everyone agrees with my take. Some people loved the original Blade Runner. I know several people who didn't like the first Blade Runner who loved 2049. So, you know, uh, we'll see. But um, I'm not I'm not against trying another Blade Runner thing. I think there's a lot. If anything, it's just surprising it's taken this long. Yeah, I think we're at a point now where this, like, we can make TV shows that look as good 
as the movies, if not better in some cases. Yeah, good luck making it look as good as 49, though. I mean... Say what you want about that movie, yeah. but it looked phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll see what they do with it, but... Um, they possibly can't, you know, like, I, I, you know, I thought that first Lord of the Rings episode that I did with the pilot for, you know, it was a little dull and tropey and just kind of, the, the characters weren't that exciting, but it did look expensive, expensive. you know, it looked yeah. like a movie. Yeah, yeah. Probably because it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, fair enough in that sense, I guess. Uh, so yeah, that's coming. Uh, next up, what do we have here? This is Christina Okoa. From Animal Kingdom and Promised Land is developing a sci-fi series called Empty Earth, based on the Rick McManus book of the or Rick, sorry Rick McManus book series of the same name, with Freedom Studios. So no uh, network or anything like that yet. This is just a you know at the studio Early level. Days, yeah. yeah. In Empty Earth, climate change has forced humanity to a dystopian bar- dystopian bargain. Sorry, seek safety or risk everything to find the answers. The book trilogy is a post-apocalyptic adventure series with an empowered female protagonist wrapped in an epic of love, family, and survival with science at the forefront. I don't know if that hit the rules or not. I was kind of verging on it. Well, the only problem is is that technically in a post-apocalypse, there's no professional <laughs> yeah. side of things. You could argue the actual science and the trying to solve the problem is the professional side, but it's Maybe, a bit of a stretch. It was a stretch. I think they were close, but mm. I, don't think it, I don't think it quite hits it. It was close, it was close. Um, if she said, returning to her hometown after the apocalypse... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. That one would have been insta-drink. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds okay. Yeah, it's hard to know what the tone of this is. Uh, it sounds like it could be more young adults doing, possibly. Or it could, I could see that. You know, but... Uh, there's yeah. a few possibilities. Um, I don't know if it's because Freedom Studios, I first read as Freeform Studios, and maybe I've just instantly in my head like labelled it as a Freeform show. That's very unfair to it if that is the case. Yeah. Which it isn't. It's not a Freeform. Maybe it'll become one, yes. but, it, yeah. but it isn't uh, right now. So uh, that is Empty Earth. Let's tailor that one. So okay. there you go. Um, so Reg Jean Page... And Glenn Powell are going to be in some... Do you know who Glenn Powell is before I tell you who it is? I, I do, yes. The name is very familiar. I'm just trying to... Put we referenced something he was in earlier. Go on. I'm very tired right now. Chad Radwell. Ah, uh, that's where I know the name from. That's Scream Queens for anyone doesn't know who that is. Uh... But uh, and then the other dude's actually the main guy in Bridgerton, of all things. So uh, all, all these uh, things coming back up. So they have been cast uh, in a new version or a new take on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, this is for Amazon, actually. Again, so it's not titled right now, so they don't know what they're calling it. Uh, but it's a straight to series order. It comes from Joe and Anthony Rizzo's AGBO uh, company. So I don't know if they're actually involved in the the. Uh, they're just executive producing, I think. Uh, Bridgerton will star Paige, who starred in The Grey Man with Russo's, who, which I've heard is a really dull movie uh, from people. Huh. That's disappointing. Yeah, um, so I've, I've not been on my way to watch it. but uh, So he's going to be playing Butch Cassidy, and then the Top Gun Maverick star, uh, Glenn Powell, is going to play Sundance Kid. So. Oh, wow, well, I've got even more motivation to watch Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Chad Radwell, screw Tom Cruise, Chad, Chad Radwell's in it. Yeah. 
so yeah. Uh, apparently, it's set in an alternate America. That's the the one little tidbit here. What it's alternate, is it? Okay. Is that all we get? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say how. Like, like you know, like alternate history and diverse at some point. You know, nothing. Uh. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think. Uh, Butch Cassidy's typically black, so maybe that's part of what they're getting at. I mean, it, it could be, but I mean, I like with with Bridget, and it was just they just didn't acknowledge it, right? Yeah, it yeah. A little, like casting, so who knows? Maybe maybe that's what they mean. Maybe that's just what the alternate earth's going to be. It's just we're just going to, not not going to explain. What... Uh, it could well be. Yeah. No, I mean that's assuming it's set in the past. I mean, for all we know, this is a, like a contemporary, like you know, version of it. But they're telling, to... yeah, yeah, it could be. Uh. So it's the only thing I can think of because all I have is two faces and an alternate Earth. That's all I have yeah. to go on. So, uh, but there you go. Uh, that's a, a new version of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid coming to Amazon. Uh, next up, uh, we have a show in the works at Paramount Plus that's going to star John Bradley, who uh, most people will know from Game of Thrones. Um, I know him unfortunately as the annoying guy from Moonfall. Uh, if you if you saw Moonfall earlier this year, I know you I didn't. Did, I did not. No, <laughs> that, that, that that didn't help. Yes, uh, but he's going to be in a show called North Shore, a, a Paramount Plus crime thriller series from Cold Feet creator Mike Bullen. Uh, Joanne Frogat is going to be the other main star of the show. Uh, it's a six episode season, and it is a, an Australian original. Uh, for Paramount Plus. So Paramount Plus have been ramping up their like local originals and all the places it's launched. There's going to be some UK ones. This is an Australian one. It's set around the Sydney Harbour. Uh, it follows Max Whaley, played by Bradley, a British detective who, who offside with his colleagues is uh, seconded to Australia to observe the investigation into the suspicious death of a young woman, the daughter of a British cabinet minister. When Max travels to Australia, his life is at a crossroads. His boss doubts Max, uh, but sorry, his boss doubts if Max is a team player and questions whether he has a future with the police. And his wife is contemplating calling time on their marriage. That definitely sounded like professional, yeah, personal yeah, to me. I, I think it did. <laughs> uh, there might be like a third one, but the two key things we're looking here for 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 new people to the show is some variation of professional and uh, personal in there it can be a derivative of such um or someone returns to their hometown in some form for the premise of the show um i guess the other ones also there's a sort of secret like a, a deep dark family secret about themselves or something yes uh, the, the deep dark secrets yes yes, yes. so that, that's the three drinking rules for connor just uh and it's for those who need them explained uh so there you go um i, I don't know what to make of this to be honest uh Um, yeah, it, it it sounds like it might be kind of cheap, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know it, what to expect from a Paramount Plus originally. I mean, obviously I've watched the Star Trek shows, but in terms of this, which sounds... try Halo? I did watch the first Halo, yeah. It's kind of weird that you've watched more Halo than me. It wasn't good. That's disappointing. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I kind of knew that anyway, but... Yeah, it wasn't good. Not that I expected you to think it would be good. It kind of felt... It felt like a really big budget, like, fan movie, you know? It kind of felt like, oh, someone got yeah. a budget to do all this, but it's still just kind of this weird, like, 
slightly cheap feel to it, despite the fact that there's obviously millions of dollars being spent on all these effects and stuff. Like, there's something about Master Chief's helmet that just looks a little bit cheap and flimsy in live action, you know? Do you know what it is? I think it's a mistake a lot of things adapt adaptions make is things don't translate to the screen one to one. Like you, you can go, look, it's perfectly accurate. That doesn't necessarily mean that. Honestly, I, I think the design of it is fine, and that could work in in live action. I think it's just a material thing. I think the material just looks too plasticky. I think what you have to do is make it more look like I don't know, like grimy metal. You know, give it a sort of weighty look to it. And it would probably mm. look better, but as it is, it just looks like kind of cheap plastic to me. And you know, probably was kind of cheap plastic. It probably, it probably was. Yeah, a lot of really obvious green screen stuff. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, anyway. oh, that's disappointing. Um, and that wasn't the main problem. I mean, the writing and the characters were a bigger concern. Oh. But yeah, uh, but worth mentioning those things. Uh, so anyway, that's uh, North Shore, uh, North Shore of Australia, specifically for the sounds of it. Yeah. Led by an Englishman. Led by an Englishman. That's got to suck. You're getting your first Australian original in Paramount Plus, and it's like, lead character's an English guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Colonialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, next up, what do we have here? Uh, so, Jiwoon Kim, uh, one of uh, South Korea's uh, directors, who's made a bunch of notable films, uh, like... Um, he did Good, Bad, The Weird. He did uh, Tale of Two Sisters. Uh, why I'm saying the ones I don't like as much first, I don't know. But he yeah, did. I, I, I own both those. I've not seen either of them yet. But mm. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, Better Sweet Life and I Saw the Devil are the ones that I actually really like. Uh, so. oh, I've seen I Saw the Devil. I didn't yeah. like that. That's a good movie. Uh, so he's teaming with some writers uh, to watch on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Bo Yun mm. Kim and Erica Lippolt. Uh, to develop a new series about a Korean family immigrating to the US. Um, this comes from E1. So there's not much more of a, a premise than than that. That's, that's kind of it. But it wasn't really a premise. It's a slightly a premise. It's, uh, I mean, obviously he's got name value be, being attached to it. Um, I won't judge the two writers for having worked on Star Trek Discovery because they're just in a writer's room. Um, yeah, unless it turns out they were responsible for the worst episodes, in which case you should judge them. Yes, and you know, going be at least one of their names. I imagine this is a more personal story. You know, talking about a Korean family moving to the U.S. is probably something that is going to be a bit more. I don't know, intimate perhaps, and therefore yeah, there was a, they may, maybe something they can contribute to a bit more personally. Yeah, so you know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why this. I, I, I what I'm saying is, I don't expect this to feel like Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I, I really hope not. That would be a bit weird. <laughs> It'd be a very strange uh, take. So, yeah, yeah. Um, ah, so, 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 it's interesting. Uh, so that's cool. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, so he's got so he's going to direct it though. That's the thing. So that's the key thing here is that he's going to be the one directing it. And what's interesting is that just emigrating to the US doesn't sound as fantastical as like his stuff does. You know, either you know he has like a really serious thing with a you know like a a villain who's like really nefarious, like I saw the devil. Or and it's a revenge story, or he has like a weird western, or he has a horror movie with supernatural bollocks. Like I don't know if I've seen him. I guess Better Sweet Life is the closest thing to a straight drama, but even that's like a crime thriller, you know, with like a badass. Maybe, maybe there'll be a twist to it that they're not telling us yet. Oh, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, 
That's what I mean. Sure, they won't say anything, and you'll watch the trailer, and you'll be like, this isn't what it said before. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, but there you go. So, uh, no title on that one yet. Uh, so, there you go. Yeah, they, they don't want to give it away, because that'll, that'll tell you the weird twist. Maybe they're going to go for, like, a sort of, like, a, a twist on, like, they're going to open, like, an Italian restaurant as the, the main characters. Sure, why not? I don't know. Anyway, uh, final story of the week. We are going to a network. We've got ABC coming in with a, a clutch. Well then, let's see what they've got for me. Uh, so developing a procedural drama from Drew Goddard, who you may know because mm. he worked on the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did he really? Are you sure? I'm positive. Uh, but more notably, uh, directed Cabin in the Woods and he worked on the Daredevil show. He wrote The, the, the Martian. But you know, had not, a very good script. Yeah, not the book, obviously. He had obviously adapted <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, that'd, <laughs> just, that'd be weird. Just in case anyone got confused there. Uh, so, yeah, it's come from ABC Signature, and it's based on something actually. So, uh, based on TF One's popular detective series HIP. So it's like a, it's, I think it's a French, yeah, it's a French series that this is based on. Uh, HIP stands for High Intellectual Potential. Ah, oh, not you then. That was like the the lamest, easiest. It was, and I uh, took it, and yeah. I'm not ashamed. You should, you should be ashamed. Well, so, I'm not. This is in the second cycle for the the round of pilot pickups. Uh, it's it's not out, so it's untitled right now. But the premise of the untitled drama, uh, written by Goddard, evokes Goodwill Hunting. In it, a single mum with three kids and an exceptional mind helps solve an unsolvable crime when she rearranges some evidence during her shift as a cleaner for the police department. When they discover she has a knack for putting things in order <laughs> because of her HIP, she... it sounds like a disease. It sounds like HIV. <laughs> it does. It's hard to take it seriously. Because of her HIP. Don't watch out for that HIP. She is brought on as a consultant to work with a by-the-book seasoned detective, and together they form an unusual and stoppable team. So this is the Fox style of, it's a buddy cop show, but one of them... Which I it, believe was a drinking rule. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. But one of them's not a cop, one of them's something else. In this case, she's one of the cleaners in the police station. <laughs> Which is... Uh, all right. <laughs> um, I'm glad they gave us some proper network TV bollocks at the end here to yeah. send us off on. It's, it's what the people are here for. Honestly, the weirdest part about this is that Drew Goddard's like involved with it. <laughs> yeah, it means it's gonna be shit. Because he's involved with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it'll probably be shit because it's just a generic network TV. I, I wish he was doing other things that were more interesting, but but paycheck. He's probably gonna paycheck. Who knows? Maybe it'll maybe maybe he'll like, give it some life. Maybe it'll be better. Um, but yeah. So, what do you think they're going to call it? It's got to be some sort of pun based on cleaning evidence. Hmm. You can refer I don't know to what it. that is yet, but there's got to be one. <laughs> Something to do with uh, forensics coming in and, like, you know. 
you know, you're not supposed to touch the crime scene, so maybe there's a pun in like cleaning the crime scene. I don't know. <laughs> mm, I don't maybe. Know. I got um, months to figure it out. Sometimes you call a hitman a cleaner because he cleans up the messes by murdering people. I don't know if they can yeah. do something with that. <laughs> she comes up, comes in and cleans up the cases. So she's, just, she's the cleaner. That's this. Becomes a double meaning. Yeah. Well, clever that. Mm. Like that's all I've got for you. But I mean, ABC aren't as bad as Fox of of just going with because if this was Fox, it would be Fox... an acronym. No, oh, no, that'd be that. Is, CBS is the acronyms. Yeah, or I don't know because CBS also just do like Seal Team is the name of a show. Seal Team is an acronym. Well, yeah, but it's only an acronym because it's already an acronym. It's not an acronym because they made it an acronym. <laughs> that, that, that's true, but it still counts. Right. Um. Uh, <laughs> detergent PD. That's no? the best you got. <laughs> really. Mopping up the streets. <laughs> How are you getting worse? <laughs> I didn't think it was possible. All right, there you go. That's the news for the week. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, keep in mind, you get it a day early. Uh, you, most weeks on Patreon, if you want to support us over at patreon.com slash TV and keep all the content coming, uh, you can go do that. Uh, of course, uh, you, you can hit the super thanks button on YouTube. But you can support us for free by simply hitting the like button, subscribing, commenting, sharing us around. We're at mail underscore fuzz on Twitter. Uh, you know, do any and all of those things. All of it does help. Uh, I'll thank our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you to Tyler Hessen, the Palisades, David Short, Bornow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce uh, for their support. And thank you to all of our patrons. Yeah, uh, sorry, uh, she's running around in circles on my knee. <laughs> Demon cat, I swear. This is so funny that you have to put up with a kitten. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's so good. <sighs> so tiring. Ah. <sighs> Yes, well, there you go. That is the show. That has been almost cancelled for the week. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla? <laughs>